No other book has so profoundly impacted so many lives as the Bible. Welcome to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. Today we see where Job's encounter with God brings him to repentance. The Lord rebukes Job's friends for not speaking rightly about him. He restores Job's losses. We hope you'll join us as Pastor Daryl concludes this study of the book of Job on Simply the Bible. What a ride this has been. I am so thankful that we've gone through the book of Job during such an international crisis because it's shown me that trials come into the lives of believers, that they don't last forever, thank God, and that God does have an end game in mind. God has a final purpose that he's working out in the lives of those who love him and are considered to be his servants. Today, we come to the final chapter to see what God had in store for his servant, Job. Now, Job had said that he wanted the opportunity to meet with God to present his case, and Job had justified himself, but he found fault with God for being unjust. God finally answered Job's request and spoke to him from out of the whirlwind. In chapters 38 through 41, God revealed his majesty, his power in creation, and his ability to control all things, including the evil of Leviathan, that sea serpent that no man could control. And with this, the Lord rested his case. We continue today in Job 42. Then Job answered the Lord and said, I know that you can do everything and that no purpose of yours can be withheld from you. You asked, who is this who hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore, I have uttered what I did not understand, things too wonderful for me, which I did not know. Listen, please, and let me speak. You said, I will question you, and you shall answer me. I have heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye sees you. Therefore, I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. The end result of the Lord manifesting himself to Job was that it brought Job to this place of repentance. He realized that he had been wrong about what he had said about God. He had spoken of things that he did not know. He had voiced his opinions, but they weren't based on truth. Job was in that difficult and humiliating position of having to eat his own words. Job had seen God and seen himself in the light of God's holiness and majesty. He abhorred himself. Job repented in dust and ashes. And that's the natural response of anyone who has truly seen God. It is the creature recognizing that before the creator, he is nothing. Let me just say that this is God's method for bringing a person to a genuine change of heart. That is for God to show up, to appear, to reveal himself in no uncertain terms. You know, all of Job's friends, with all their arguments, could not bring Job to repentance. But God, by his awesome presence, was able to do in a moment what they could not do in over 30 chapters. And that's why when we are dealing with stubborn people that just don't seem to get it, we need to pray that God will reveal himself to them. 
That is how God does it. That's how he brings a person to repentance. Verse 7, And so it was, after the Lord had spoken these words to Job, that the Lord said to Eliphaz the Temanite, My wrath is aroused against you and your two friends, for you have not spoken of me what is right, as my servant Job has. Now therefore take for yourselves seven bulls and seven rams. Go to my servant Job and offer up for yourselves a burnt offering. And my servant Job shall pray for you, for I will accept him, lest I deal with you according to your folly, because you have not spoken of me what is right, as my servant Job has. Now, it's interesting, in this passage, God refers to Job as his servant four times, and and that was a term of endearment. It showed that God had restored Job back into favor with himself, and as a servant, you know, that's the same term that God gave to Moses. It meant that Job was a representative of the Lord. He served the Lord, but he also represented God. And so, And so God said to Eliphaz that he had not spoken right of him, nor had his two friends. And yet we wonder, well, wait a minute, how did they not speak right of God? Well, first off, they said that God was judging Job because he had hidden some wicked thing, you know, that this was God's punishment in Job's life. And that was not true. God was not punishing Job. Job had been blameless before God. God was testing Job. So they had spoken that which was not right concerning the Lord. But then how had Job spoken what was right about God? Because didn't Job go too far and say things about God that he shouldn't have said? Yes, that is true. But what we do see with Job is that Job honestly wanted answers from God. He didn't understand. He didn't know what he had done wrong, and he wanted God to show up and tell him. And and so he went too far in what he said, but his heart to know God, to know God's heart was there. He was truly a man after God's own heart. And, uh, and so God did show up and answer him. Whereas with Eliphaz and his two friends, they had the theological tidy formula for how God was supposed to work, but there was no just desire, earnest desire that they had, like Job, to really know God, to be in his presence, to seek him. And so God said, okay, this is what you need to do. You need to present these uh, bulls and rams, and that way I will forgive you because of you saying things about me that were not true. And then my servant Job will pray for you, and I will accept him. And I will forgive you, uh, otherwise I would have to deal with you according to your folly. And so so there was the vertical reconciliation of them offering these offerings to God, and then there would be the horizontal reconciliation of them putting things right with their friend Job. And God is concerned about both. So Eliphaz the Temanite and Bildad the Shuhite and Zophar the Nahamathite went and did as the Lord commanded them, for the Lord had accepted Job. Now, Job's friends had not accepted him. They had found fault with him, but the Lord accepted him. And that's really what matters. People may not accept you, but does God accept you? That's the question. The Bible says that we have been accepted in the beloved Jesus Christ. Thank God that we're not accepted because of what we have done or what we haven't done, but because we have simply believed in Jesus Christ, who has justified us before God. It is by grace that we have been saved. And the Lord restored Job's losses when he prayed for his friends. Indeed, the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. Notice the connection here between 
forgiveness and intercessory prayer and restoration. You know, if we harbor a grudge, if we allow resentment or root of bitterness against our brother or sister or spouse or whomever, then it will prevent God from blessing us the way he wants to bless us. Love your enemies and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. That's what Jesus said. It's the rule of the kingdom of God, but it is also the means by which God restores and blesses us. So observe the order. Job repented, then he forgave his friends, and then he prayed for them, and then God blessed him. Then all his brothers and all his sisters and all those who had been his acquaintances before came to him and ate food with him in his house. And they consoled him and comforted him for all the adversity that the Lord had brought upon him. Each one gave him a piece of silver and each a ring of gold. Now we wonder where Job's brothers and sisters were when he was suffering. Why didn't they come around then? It's amazing how relatives will come out of the woodwork when you're now in Fat City. If you haven't seen your family for a while, go win the lottery. You can count on an amazing family reunion. Now, to their credit, at least Job's family members and acquaintances did give him a gift. Maybe they felt guilty for not being there earlier. Perhaps these gifts provided the seed money by which Job could purchase new breeding livestock. Now, the Lord blessed the latter days of Job more than his beginning, for he had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, 1,000 yoke of oxen, and 1,000 female donkeys. He also had seven sons and three daughters. Now God doubled Job's livestock from what he had previously and restored his 10 children, but, but these children could never have taken the place of his former children. No doubt there would always be that heartache in Job as he remembered his children who had passed. The truth is this life has its pains that don't go away. We would like the happily ever after storybook life, but it doesn't happen in this life. The pain Job carried in his heart foreshadowed the pain God would suffer when his only son was crucified for our sins. But despite the sorrow of the lost, Job had the hope that he would have a blessed family reunion one day with all 20 of his children. He had quite an investment now in heaven to look forward to. And that family reunion would last for eternity. And that is why we must set our hope fully upon the grace that we will receive when Jesus comes again. We will meet him soon, either by death or by rapture. And then we get to enjoy that great family reunion with all the family of God forever. Now that's something to look forward to. Now Job called the name of his first daughter, Jemima, the second Keziah and the third, Karen Hapak. In all the land there were found no women so beautiful as the daughters of Job, and their father gave them an inheritance among their brothers. So Jemima means dove, Keziah means cinnamon, and Karen Hapak means horn of eye paint. Warren Wiersbe says Jemima had the quietness, Keziah the perfume, and Karen Hapak the cosmetics. <laughs> After this, Job lived 140 years and saw his children and grandchildren for four generations. That's He saw his great-great-grandchildren, and Job died old and full of days. It's thought that perhaps Job was 70 when all these trials came upon him so that God doubled 
his lifespan. Job is truly an amazing story that teaches us that good people do suffer. It also teaches us that God uses suffering to work out his purpose for our lives. In some small way, whenever a righteous person suffers, it is a reflection of what Christ suffered for us. Thus, we must not murmur or complain, but be thankful that we are counted worthy to suffer in some small way for the name of Jesus Christ. From him, we will receive our eternal reward. And that calls us to patient endurance through the times of suffering. As James said in James 5.11, Indeed, we count them blessed who endure. You have heard of the perseverance of Job and seen the end intended by the Lord, that the Lord is very compassionate and merciful. For the time of testing, God's face was hidden from Job, but when God revealed himself, it was in mercy and compassion. And as God's beloved people, we can expect the same thing. G. Campbell Morgan said, In the whole story of Job, we see the patience of God and endurance of man. When these act in fellowship, the issue is certain. It is that of the coming forth from the fire as gold, that of receiving the crown of life. As we endure this present crisis of pandemic disease, economic recession, and now racial division and rioting, may we learn to humble ourselves beneath God's mighty hand as his beloved people, so that we may come through the fire as gold and receive the crown of life. He who calls us truly is faithful, and he will do it. You've been listening to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. For more information about our church, please visit our website at calvarytv.org. To listen to other episodes, go to 941thevoice.com or check out our iTunes podcast. If you have any questions or comments, please contact us through our website. Tomorrow, we will return to an early study Pastor Daryl did on the book of Joshua. We hope you'll join us next time for Simply the Bible.